0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse.
1: Hi, I'm Jenny.
0: Hi, I'm Paul. And we're going to talk about Kim Stanley Robinson's 1990 novel, Pacific Edge, which I read probably around 93 or so uh, for the first time. And Jenny, I got a tweet from you saying, Jesse, have you read this? I don't think you'll like it or something like that. <laughs> <I> remember that. <laughs> well, what, 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 what was it about this book that made you think I wouldn't like it?
1: Well, nothing much happened.
0: That's very, very true. This is very not much happening book. <laughs>
1: yeah. I guess that's probably one of the challenges of writing a utopia.
0: It is. And that's what I think is so interesting about it. Is most utopian novels don't exist. <laughs> most people <laughs> about utopian novels. They really don't exist. Brave New World is a dystopia, right? Right. I mean, you could argue that there's elements that are good about it, but generally it's a dystopia. Um, and we see that. But generally utopias don't exist. And so how do you talk about a genre of novel that, you know, doesn't exist. This is one of them. And I think he he basically sums up my thoughts about utopian novels. Um, And I know that the conflict that happens in here is incredibly small scale compared Mm to... <laughs> Most stories, it's more. It, it feels way more like a mainstream book in the terms of the the conflict. What well, there's one death in the entire book, right? And that's by you know an old man at sea. Um, Tom. Tom.
1: Yeah, and if the conflict in this book had been the core story of a literary novel, no one would read it. I mean, it's I, I, it's I not really even. <laughs> well, I mean it's a, it's like a minor city council. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah, it it's, like wonderfully
0: it's unimportant in the larger scheme of things. But, uh, I, I think, you know, the other things that kind of bug me is that, uh, we get a lot of talk about Ramona's thighs constantly, and I, I'm mm. not against that. It's just, there's so much of it. It, but the thing is, is he has constructed, Kim Stanley Robinson, I believe, has constructed what is almost a perfect novel in the sense that, it's so well constructed. And I'm using that word again, constructed. Um, he he seems like, you know, all those scenes with baseball, right? All those scenes with him softball. working. Oh, sorry. It's not right even off. as exciting as
1: baseball. It's
0: softball. Exactly, right. So you can almost imagine. Uh, I mean, the thing about him batting a thousand, right? That That's so, um, it's so full of very... You know, light symbolism,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, that comes up over and over and over again. And there's a lot to think about. Those chapters where, uh, Tom, we see Tom in Switzerland thinking about how to create a utopia, um, and sort of living in a world that's imperfect, uh, I think they give us so much to think about that, yeah, during these lazy days of summer and spring and I guess the early fall, we we see sort of a magical transformation of what essentially should be the most boring book in the world about, you know, a not particularly interesting part of California Mm -hmm. uh, becomes very fascinatingly insightful into what human beings are trying to do all the time, which is make their lives better.
1: Well, and you mentioned that the Tom parts, the kind of, well, in the book I read, I read the print and it's in italics. It's like his mm-hmm. journal from when he was mm-hmm. younger. Um, that's the novel that I wanted to read.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um And I couldn't, what I can't figure out is I know this is the third book of a triptych. But right. from what I've been reading, I haven't read the other two that came before it. But from what I've been reading, they're not necessarily connected. Like it's kind of like three different imaginings of future California. Is that what you're what you understand too?
3: Yeah, I've read all I've read all I've read all three. I read The Wild City okay. first. I then okay. read I then read The Gold Coast and then I read this. This was back in the nineties because I had not really encountered Kim Stanley Robertson until Red Mars came out and I feel like, mm-hmm. okay, what else has he written? I want to I want to know more. So I dug, I dug into the California trilogies at that time. I haven't read them since. I hadn't touched them in, until I, I listened to the audiobook for Pacific Edge. So, yes, yeah, they're, they're basically three alternate Californias that seem to all grow out of the 1980s. The Gold the Gold Coast uh, basically goes... Kim, Kim Sandler Robinson does cyberpunk, which is a very odd thing, to be sure. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should listen to it sometime because... It, yeah, it's it, just it, it's a fun. Robinson book, but it's cyberpunk. That's a very that's a very strange headspace to be in. I it, mean it's yeah. I mean it's it's eighties cyberpunk, not modern cyberpunk, but still the Wild Shore is your post apocalyptic novel and the Pacific Edge is your is your, your utopia. The only thing I can I mean, aside from they all take place in Southern California and I'd have to reread the three of them to really see where the if there's any common locations, the only yeah, it's Orange County. Right, it's, it's, right. But any specific locations?
1: Problem.
3: But the, the okay, only, so, the only, so it's
1: not like Tom was living through all these other periods. Yes, right? you yes.
3: are. Okay, yeah. so yeah. He, he, it he does, does go consecutively. No, he. It's basically. Th- I mean, we see three different versions of Tom in these three futures.
1: Okay, that's, that's so
0: three the, connecting them.
1: Okay, yeah. so the journal in Pacific Edge that Tom is writing as a young man where he's imagining this utopia the the world of chaos that he lives in in that time with the medical camps and the you know many deaths that isn't related to those other books correct it's a different yes, the, okay the, the I just wanted to make sure point. i understand yeah.
3: the
0: passage versus point <laughs> okay the, the tsa that's what he's experienced well,
3: I, right? yeah when, when when i i mean when i first read that i thought oh that's crazy yeah. Back in the night. now it feels like, oh my God, he's got the TSI. They I they're right.
0: There's a lot right. Uh, yeah, the uh, water. Oh my God, it's this is this is why. I mean, I didn't remember all of that, but all the most noir movie ever, right? Chinatown. The plot is entirely revolving about you know a scheme to divert water and you know mm-hmm. murder, blah blah blah. Um, that that's what it's all about. I mean, Southern California is a desert. They need tons of water. And so all the whole uh, my favorite word machinations going on behind the scenes, of, you know, the evil corporations that are even in this book, which are so tamped down compared to regular evil corporations <laughs> are, uh, you know, completely logical. This is what I, I think is so clever about. Kim. I mean, I think he's a really smart guy. Kim Stanley Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he really has uh, in, intensely thought through, how to make a, a a real, compelling, genuine world.
3: One that it's, you want to live in, yeah.
0: Well, not just, I, you know, it's not even that. I, like, I don't like softball that much. And I I, I, I kind of <laughs> like a, a lot of the you know, philosophical uh, sort of, I don't know, points of view that he attacks. Um, but I just think he's just so sophisticated in, in the way he's, He's constructed the novel, and the you know the bad guys aren't are bad, but not in you know like compare this to Heinlein, where uh, the bad guys are just bad in the sense that they're, they're unbelievably stupid, like they're just not well constructed bad guys. They're just there to make the hero look good, or just there to let the hero give a nice speech, right? In this case, the bad guy isn't. He's just a guy who you know wants to make his corporation, you know, a little bit more successful. Doesn't want it to go under. Right. And he convinced Although the, that,
1: the corporation sorry. may have ties to what Singapore, I think.
0: Uh, Hong Kong some, or something Hong, like
1: that. Hong, yeah, yeah, some some now like currently, you know, c- more powerful country than It's, than it's uh,
0: that Yeah, that's the thing is is it, it is incredibly sophisticated in that he doesn't, you know, just make it, you know, a local evil big corp. This, this could never be a film. This could never be a TV show. Even HBO isn't sophisticated enough to, to do the subtlety of what's going on here.
1: Well, you know, they tried doing that reality show about Utopia and they couldn't okay. make that last a year.
0: <laughs> well, the, 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 the conflicts here, I mean, the way the conflicts come in, they are, So minor is, it it almost, you know, makes, makes my point that conflict is the, is not actually necessary for any story because it's so minor in here that you could almost dispense with the, the plot about, about Ramona and, and the, you know, the, expanding the hill and it wouldn't really matter because you get to visit a world that is, uh, It's kind of like ours except, you know, there's a beginning and an end. It's, it's like living those year, those months of this person's life and around it. You know, the people are, we, we get a little bit of insight into other people's points of view, but it's mostly Kevin. And, you know, his interests aren't exactly mine, but Kim Stanley Robinson just is so good, I think. at you know, when, when he goes to the theater, he explains why theater is fun. Right? when he goes to the baseball diamond, he ex- explains why softball's fun and wrestling. Right, like I, I shouldn't like wrestling, but I thought that what he did there was you know express the highest form that wrestling can be, which is so silly because wrestling can't be very high, right? You know, for, n- not that kind of professional fake wrestling, right?
3: Yeah, I had completely forgotten the wrestling part. The the softball though, uh, I mean, I know Stan is a baseball guy. I mean, he wrote he wrote the he has baseball in his, in his Mars books, and it crops up here and there. What I, I thought of baseball is almost a metaphor for this novel. Are the two of you familiar with the idea of small ball? <clears throat>
2: small
3: small ball is a technique in baseball where you're not trying to hit big home runs and score lots of innings, but you're trying to work things slowly, sacrifice flies and and grounders just to try to move things to try to and good pitching to try to keep. A low, a low a low lead throughout the game it's a it's very defen- very small defensive strategy and this novel is kind of like stands utopian small ball mm. i mean it's not about mm-hmm. big stakes it's about it's about the development of a hill that's yep. not but it's also so yeah so it's a, it's a small ball utopian novel because you can't do big themes in a utopia b- unless you want to break the utopia and he's not and sh- but but that goes into what he's really doing here i mean it's a. It starts like in rain season, goes through to October, right? Mm. And in a way, this novel is kind of like the October of his, of his own utopia.
0: I don't know if you caught, caught the. It's um, on its on its outs. I, I yeah. I think, it, I think that that that's a a very possible interpretation, but I also think it's an argument as to what if I think Tom even talks about what utopias are. Um, and what they could be and, you know, how they exist in literature. This is almost a meta SF novel in the sense that although not a lot of people are reading SF in it, um, the author has, you know, clearly the Tom and his he's kind of like the founding father of the utopia that they're in, I guess. Uh-huh. One of them is. Is obviously a person who's read a lot of Utopian novel novels. Not that there are that many, right? But they've there's a, there's a couple, there's a few, but it, it, it goes back to uh, Have you guys read Utopia by Thomas More?
3: Mm-hmm. I I think I've read excerpts of it in college. I back in school.
0: I, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's a uh, it's it's not really uh, there's no plot. Exactly. It's just a guy goes and visits a u- utopia, and he right. tell, talks about it, right? And that, I think that that's what we're getting here. But when we do visit, and the way Tom has taught his is it his, his grandson, Kevin's his mm-hmm. grandson, yeah, mm-hmm. I can't remember what happened to the parents, but um, Kevin's Kevin sort of has taken in the idea that it's not a process of you know you get to utopia and then you just stay there. I think that's going like what's going on with the uh, the batting a thousand sort of thing. It's not that you become perfect and you just stay perfect. What it is, is you have to sort of fight for perfection all the time. Like, yeah,
1: I have that quote if you want me to read it. Yeah, go for yeah. it. Because it's from his journal from like around the late nineties pages must redefine utopia. It isn't the perfect end product of our wishes, Define it so, and it deserves the scorn of those who sneer when they hear the word. No. Utopia is the process of making a better world. The name for one path history can take, a dynamic, tumultuous, agonizing process with no end. Struggle Mm -hmm. forever.
0: (laughs) Right, and then that doesn't sound like it's very fun, right? No, it doesn't. But I think that that, I mean, I I would want to live in this, this Orange County of you know 2065 because a lot of the things that annoy me about uh our world as it is have been fixed but on the other hand you know I I don't exactly agree with all of it so I'd like to tweak it here and there not so much in the de- you know developing a hill sort of thing but you know I I'd, I'd make the theater bigger and maybe fewer baseball diamonds, you know?
1: Right. And right before that little part I read, he's talking about how the reason people hate utopias otherwise in literature or people who've attempted to create them in history is that their strategy has always been to separate themselves from the world and and try to start from scratch. And he's trying to make the point that that's not how utopia would come about. You would have to use the history that you have and, you know, the... The people in the novel are literally demolishing old roads,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And they're they're taking was it cars apart, the concrete, you know they're they're dismantling yeah. it. And so there's a lot of work to be done if that's what you're doing. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, this this novel, like The Wild Shore, feels what's the word I'm looking for? It, uh, it it's not the right word, but it feels. It Feels like a world that's underpopulated in some ways, if that makes sense to both Indeed.
0: Of you. Indeed, I mean, much emptier than it would it, be today.
3: It is much, is much emptier, just like the wild shores must emptier, but for very different reasons. I'm not quite sure where all the people huh. went in this utopia because did they all did they all really scatter to the winds? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I mean, the wild shore. I mean, America, America's population dropped because of the nuclear bombs. That's, and so mm-hmm. there's only those no small communities left. But here, all well, we have is small communities left, but there's no real indication of how we got there.
1: Yeah, and there's a sense that there's something medical that happened, maybe a virus. But then yeah, also,
0: no, a Kevin's of parents
1: are in space.
0: That's true. So maybe the, 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 a lot
1: of people have moved to
3: space? Maybe. I mean, we have, we, 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 we get a first landing on Mars in the middle of the novel. And and it's such an understated moment. It's like, oh yeah, (laughs) for Mars. Maybe maybe decided after that, like, okay, maybe I should write a novel about colonizing Mars. But here it's just so, yeah, it's just an excuse for excuse for a party, and it's not really dwelt over.
0: Well, uh, think about it this way: is the water situation in California is as as it is, you know, intensely. Focused on in this book, you know, by the local city council, the, the rules, the laws. Right? They had some sort of problem between 1990 and 2065. Um, we don't know what that problem was. Maybe it came around in 2016 or so uh-huh. when suddenly there's no water for all the millions and millions of people who live there. Uh, I don't know how they solved that.
3: They they, they they do mention we, there's we haven't been there yet yeah there, 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 there's a throwaway line about the temperature having going up another one degree yep. centigrade so like up oh, yep there's 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 the global warming checkbox I mean he doesn't talk about <laughs> how bad it's happened for the rest of the world but he's clearly thinking I mean this is what he's going to go ahead to in, in the in the the 40 50 60 books so right. yeah
0: or in uh, Antarctica excuse- you know what's interesting is I've never read any other book by Kim Stanley Robinson. I really like I really 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 I think it is one of the best books I've read. Uh, you know, of a modern take, you know, something from the modern era. Uh-huh. Uh, well somehow I've decided I'm never going to read another Kim and Stanley Robinson book because it, this one was so good. Um, but uh it's in 2006, uh Scott and I went to Worldcon in uh, Los Angeles, actually in An- Anaheim, which is in Orange County. Um, and as soon as we stepped into the the uh, convention center, uh, started riding up the escalator, and lower on the escalator than me was Kim Stanley Robinson. Robinson. I was like super excited. and I shoved my hand into his hand and shook his hand and said, "Wow, you know, you're such a great writer." And then, you know, and that was it. <laughs> Since yeah. then, I haven't touched another Kim Stanley Robinson book, <laughs> but. I don't think I need to because my understanding, you know, I re- I listened to uh, to Luke's review of the Gold Coast and it sounds like it it does what this one does, but sort of in a dystopian way.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Um, you know, the I've read all about all of his other books. You know, the uh, Antarctica and the the trilogy set in DC, and it sounds like he's really sophisticated when it comes to you know, the modern scientific problems that we've got and people just don't, you know, (laughs) deal with them except by ignoring these books.
3: Well, (laughs) yeah, but there's any, I
2: guess that's
0: me too. I don't know. And then he writes other stuff too.
3: I mean, I I got to, Sean and I got to interview him for, uh, for the podcast. We were talking about Shaman, which is a very, it's a very different book and yet not, not a different book. No, I'm, I'm guessing you haven't read it either, Johnny. No, so. no, I've not read it. No, no, no the, that's the one set uh, tens of thousand of years ago, involving a band of uh, of, of nomads in uh, northwest Europe. And mm-hmm. it, I, I was thinking of that book as I was listening to this one again, and that sense of place and and the vivid details of the world. I mean. Okay, I'll go, I'm going to go for Shaman for a moment. W- one of the interesting things I found about this novel is this novel is I've, I found four strong set piece descriptions of of area based. Each are based on an element. I don't know if you if if, if any of you noticed this. We have the air flights, and we mm-hmm. we, we, we we get the real sensation of what it is to be like to be flying in those ultralights. Nice. We, get, we, we get the mountain hike. That's Earth. And remember the hiking up into the mountains to find to talk to that woman about trying to oppose Alfredo's plan. Mm-hmm. We get the fire, mm-hmm. which, which is the most, which which is, which is a very violent configuration. Mm-hmm. And then we get the squall at the ocean that kills Tom. So you, mm-hmm. know, you the, those are the four major, major you know, set pieces. One brings on not
0: the reason why this 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 novel so org- it feels like like I can see it's been constructed, but that organic sort of that organ uh, it's not organic it's the the construction he's put in there it i didn't see it but that also explains why this novel feels so incredibly well put together yeah. absolutely right there it, 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 there is exactly that those four elements that's incredibly you know and there's a shaman in this book too right yeah uh, during that the masks the mask and the
3: ceremony yeah
0: party, all that, all that sort of magic that's going on there, you know, the bullshit that I think is it's great. It's great bullshit. <laughs> you know, all these people doing all sorts of weird spiritual junk that is, you know, absolute bullshit. They know it's bullshit, but it still it has magic, right? Whether it works, whether whether it's real or not, it's still absolutely effective, as in it actually changes people. Right? So yeah, and I kind
1: of love that. That Empire. was the reaction to technology. Technology advancing, right? Yep.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. So it's shaman pre prefigures prefigures the Pacific edges universe you know, because then there they believe it's all real. The the, the 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 main character learns to be a shaman and doesn't quite understand what he's doing half the time, and he's kind of growing into that role. and And it's and the novel is not magical in the least. It's very very understated. But he believes what he's doing, mm. but it's it it, it it it's not like it's it's not like say, clan the cave bear or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it, it, nope. it, it's it's very much a sense of place. I mean, you really feel like you're in late ice age Europe as they're as they're going across this very desolate landscape. I mean, so
0: uh, sorry, no. Go ahead. Uh, I- I want to bring I want to bring it back to this this novel because I want it sounds like I want to read Shaman now because that is different enough um, that I think I would get something out of it. Um, So with regards to Pacific Edge, uh, I had heard about this book. um, You know, you need to read Pacific Edge. Uh, I was watching a show back in the nineties called, I guess, yeah, it was in the early nineties called um, Prisoners of Gravity, and it was a show where they would have, you know, modern authors on and they'd talk about their books or they'd have other people. This is the thing I like the most. They'd have other authors on talking about other people's books. Uh-huh. You know, they'd have Harlan Ellison on and he would, he would get really excited about some book by Neil Gaiman. And I'm like, who's this Neil Gaiman guy? Right. And then they'd have Neil Gaiman on and he'd talk about uh, his stuff and then he'd talk about other people's books and I'd get really excited about those books. So, that was really cool, but they were they weren't saying like read the wild shore, read Gold Coast, then read Pacific Edge. They said read Pacific Edge; it's really good, and then you you go you, you could try Gold Coast and Wild Shore if you want to. They don't have to be read in a certain order. It's just that he, in eighty four he published Wild Shore. Then he sort of thought about it and wrote another book that's sort of the same idea except from a different tack, uh, and another one <laughs> he sort of perfected it with Pacific Edge, and that yeah. he's got this this um the writing down to such a high skill level and he's tackling a really substantial subject and i I do think that this is like this is a almost bulletproof approach to how utopian novels could om- I think his thesis is right and every time I look for holes in you know uh, we did a show on uh uh, Lord of the Rings and I was like the economy doesn't work you know <laughs> uh, the 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 hobbits have uh tobacco nobody else has tobacco everybody wants tobacco the elves have waybread you know no everybody wants waybread no there's no economy in Lord of the Rings land the geology doesn't work right everything here works in this book the only arguments i can make against it are uh even bigger but i i want to give you an example so one of the things that's really weird in this book compared to our world is the housing situation, right? Um, you live in a house not with uh your family, you know your mom and your dad and your your brothers and sisters. You live in a house with uh seven or eight or twenty families, and they all have a communal kitchen. Maybe the mom and dad have a separate bedroom, maybe uh, the kids live in a, I don't know, communal hall or something. It's very primitive I- in the sense that, you know, it's a Viking style or a longhouse, uh, you know, Haida style of, uh, maybe primitive is not the right word, a very not common today world. and. And so when Oscar is talking about the kind of house he wants, you know, he wants a library and a smoking jacket or, you know, whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Oscar's right. These guys are wrong. And then when they have those arguments, uh, Kevin said, well, yeah, but all housing, all, you know, all architecture of this kind, it's all fashion. And I was like, oh, damn it. <laughs> He's right. That's exactly right. It's all fashion. And so, yeah, it will change over time. People will, you know, stop having, uh, you know, greenhouses in their kitchen or whatever. And so you can't really defeat it. And there's not, it's so smart and so well thought through that it's really just, he he just has given us the defining look of how any utopia can work. The only, well, like, sorry, you, no, go for it. I'll talk about the. Well, other I was thing just
1: else. wondering what you thought about the economic model, like yeah. how that part works where the, once you hit a certain amount of money that you're making then you have to contribute more
0: sure yeah uh, so i i'm i'm very much a socialist uh you know in the united states it's a horribly dirt dirty word up here it's way less dirty you know um we we have had socialist governments in british columbia we don't currently have one the difference between the socialist government and the non-socialist government is small you know it's it's kind of like the evil uh uh you know, city councils, in instead of the less evil, you know, the current prime minister is is horrible. Prime minister, I hate him, and yet, you know, I would wouldn't trade him for any American politician, pretty much at all.
3: Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he he's far left of any almost anybody.
0: I, uh, uh, here. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, there's there are problems here and there that I, you know, there, there'd be one or two I'd cherry pick out and, and takes. It. But the thing is, is you know, up here it's it's not it's not uh, a dirty word like it is down there. So I, I'm totally, I'm totally with that. You you do have, I think he's right. You make corporation caps and exactly what happens in the book where the evil corporations find way to make themselves bigger and more evil, even though it's against the law. Well, that'll happen too. Yeah. Right. He, he's thought of everything.
3: Yeah. The, the, the black secret banks that he talked yeah. about. And, and that, that feels like a, uh the stuff was happening around uh, 2009 with the, uh, the economic collapse and mm-hmm. and, all, and all the shenanigans going on.
0: Except those are legal, right? Except that's those, the, those are legal, but yeah, the
3: same sort of... And they're
0: not punished for it when the new government comes in because the new government's just as corrupt as the old government, right? Yeah,
3: uh, or, or, it, uh, yeah we have to look forward to the future.
0: The the focus on on it being a you know like we're not this is some some sort of federal system still notice like there's nobody from you know Utah visiting there's nobody from Washington visiting the visitors are from other countries right? yeah it's like they came by sea and it it feels like the highway system's been demolished there's no well, Oscar airplanes. came from Chicago it it, it long feels long ago, like, is what I'm saying right it, it feels like you know he probably got on the the new uh, Oregon trail to get, to get out to California.
1: Yeah. He's or maybe going go
0: to there. go back to the East coast. We don't, we don't know what's going on, but the fact that this, this is not a federal utopia. It's not a national utopia. It's a local government utopia, right? Mm-hmm. Like California has some sort of, you know, state regulations that are affecting these local people. It's, if you want to make change, you have to make it uh, on the local system. It seems in, in this little you know, slice of the utopian world that he's constructed. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that I need any more. Like I don't need to see a bigger version of this. Or, a,
1: well, and I. I liked how it's not just that there are limitations imposed on you by your local government, but you benefit from them too. So, something about. Um, If you if you make a certain, I I didn't really understand how they were making their money exactly, but if the town does really well, then they give it back to their community. It's
0: communism. It's a certain kind of communism, right? Everybody owns the corporations in the town, right? The guy who runs, what's the bad guy's name? I can't remember. Alfredo. Alfredo, right? Okay, so Alfredo, he his corporation has to pay taxes over a certain amount of profit, right? And that profit goes to the town. That makes town shares. Everybody gets goes up. Then uh, the other thing that's you know sort of retro is every every week people have other sort of taxation they have to do instead of money taxation. They have to like go babysit or they have yeah, to labor. pick up the road. You know, city right. So and it's like laboring on the pyramids. Right. It's not that they're slaves. It's just oh shit. It's my turn to go out to the pyramid today. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. or, well, whatever it is, you know, dig up light poles or whatever they're doing. Oh, digging we found up. a
3: junction box again.
0: Right, another junction box. Yeah. And then it's baseball time, let's go to the plate. Yeah. So, uh, there, there, I, I don't see like a lot of money changing hands. It's not, it sounds like there's still money, but nobody's talking about money. It sounds like, you know, if you were a disabled person, you'd get your money. By not doing all those pers- those jobs, and if you're a more able person, you know you've got legs that could be uh, thighs that could be pumped up like Ramona's or, or Kevin's <laughs> shoulders or whatever it is. You you'll be worked pretty hard, but you'll appreciate that work, right? Uh, yeah, the the scene, uh, the scene at the fire.
3: I, mm-hmm. I, and some I think somebody asks somebody. Says, so this is your volunteer fire department and i think it's kevin says no this is our community
2: mm-hmm. and that
3: that, yeah. that drives home the whole community coming together to do things you don't need a volunteer fire department because you are the volunteer fire department you mm-hmm. are the police you are you are part of the small po- yeah there's quality. no
0: police mentioned is there
3: no no police at all there's
0: no sense of j- uh, crime or jail or anything like that as well um so uh, if, if we were to make criticisms, I think they would be like, okay, what do you do with the serial rapist, right? There, there's no jail. So the, they probably have wolf's heads on the outside. It's, it's very retro, right? It, it, there's a lot of sort of very retro things going on in here. And
1: well, and it's kind of like, you know, like within Amish communities, if you violate the rules of the community, the worst thing that could happen to you is that you have to leave.
0: Yeah. You're, but see the, that's the thing about the Amish is they, they can only exist because of the sufferance of the state around them. Right. Right. The, the people say, yeah, it's okay for you to do that weird thing because we'll, we'll take all your rejects into our community.
1: That's true. Uh, yeah. And this is a worldwide, worldwide system, right? Cause they have brother, brother and sister towns that they talk to on video screens yeah. every month. Now
0: that, that, uh, 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 I think that's one of the coolest things. Is that he's really? It's it's like that's one of the technologies they've got is Skype, right? they yeah, it's, it's in their
3: it's in their television. But yeah, but they have Skype slash FaceTime on their on their right, and they and they <laughs> and they connect with people around and the they, world.
0: It's it almost feels like you know it was imposed on them after a war because we had too many wars. We have to not hate our brothers around the yeah. world, sort of thing. It, it, one of the things if you go to the wikipedia entry for any city i was looking at the orange county one and, you know or the city of orange the city of irvine all the- one of the things that's always on there and that nobody ever cares about in reality or knows about in reality is all the sister cities any city yeah. has like okay so there's some place in china some place in russia that are sister cities too oh. for city and like it's not like there's delegations coming back and everybody goes down to the uh, city hall
3: uh, well I, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take exception to that for minneapolis because minneapolis i is it, nagasaki is a hiroshima but no, minneapolis has a has a sister city and i mean they they, they built a park based of that and the um, saint paul say saint paul is nagasaki i believe and they designed the uh como park japanese garden with help of their sister city and there's there's a sculpture in that city from Saint Paul, so I mean it's What small. I'm saying is,
0: although yes, technically, you know, those things are real. The people in Minneapolis, other than you, <laughs> how many of them know about this?
3: Uh, how many
0: of them are affected by this? How many of their lives are, you know, profoundly uh, involved in a weekly?
3: Well, yeah, okay, okay. okay I'll, I'll, I'll give you that, but you can you can find of, you can find these things
0: here they're, and there that's why they're there that's why they're so what he's doing is magnifying sort of certain aspects of human culture and demagnifying or i guess shrinking the other ones right i, I think they play other games other than baseball right or sorry softball yeah but like it sounds like one you know at the end of the book who, who's saying is it jenny you're saying that the world's gonna go to shit or is it paul Oh so well, it's, a,
3: it's not the world's going to go to shit.
0: It, it's just that this is It's coming to an end.
3: It, it's well, be, because it. because they even say as such that the that the greens are probably going to have had their day and the pendulum's going to swing back. They they make, they use that yeah. pendulum that pendulum argument a couple That's of true. times, and I, I like uh, Kevin Streak as a metaphor for that. I mean, he's batting a yeah. thousand, just like the greens are doing. well, But in the end, spoiler
0: for those who have, I, 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 I I should. <laughs> He he
3: misses his last bat in the game, and they lose the game. No, he
0: hits, he hits, he just doesn't. You know, they they oh, catch
3: oh, it. Oh, that's sorry, right. but you're right. He catches it. Same difference. I mean, his his hitting should get yeah, us. I guess. And and so just like that, the greens day will end. It is that
0: yeah, but before. it's but that's part of the that's, that's part, part of the, the cycle. Right? Yeah. But do you
1: think yeah. the greens have to be it? I don't think the Greens have to be in control for Utopia no, the, as the they've defined it to continue.
0: But, but this That's Utopia. The Greens were bad, right? Uh, Kevin Kevin's going against the Greens by fighting. Yeah. Right?
3: So, he thinks the Greens are I'll tell you,
0: here's what I think is going to happen. I think the theater is going to grow. It's not going to be in the garage anymore. They're going to actually build a maybe a dedicated, or maybe not a dedicated space, a larger space for them. And then there's going to be a few less baseball diamonds. And, you know, a hundred years from now they're saying, why are there so many baseball diamonds here, right? The the scene where we get a little peek of what s- his sister's doing in India, right via that like, a video. Was it a video letter or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where's the where's the public library? Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, damn it.
2: Well,
0: <laughs> yeah, there is no public there, library. There's 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 gotta be a uh, you know a, an ebb and flow as to what people are interested in. You know, it seems like the uh, the, the, the they went to the uh, drag racing, right? Was it drag racing or was it was a yeah I think it was drag racing wasn't it? Um, not the oval. They went to like a biking oval or right. drag race oval. And like Oscar's interests are not the same as Kevin's exactly, and and because of that they both learn. And it's it's a very clever, intelligent novel. Now, the, like I was gonna say, the only argument I can say against this society is actually being the one is you know the how we sort of aim towards is that this is actually the perfect kind of society for getting taken over by a neighboring community (laughs) that you know wants to take your shit right wants to take your land and colonize it the way they you know when the native people of north america who had not too dissimilar a kind of lifestyle from what the people here have you know sort of um Trying to balance the number of, uh, animals they're killing, uh, versus the number of people in their population, not trying not to outgrow the, the sustainability.
3: Oh, we could argue about that. Okay. Uh,
0: there's many different communities, and some of them were very conscious of it, and some weren't. And obviously, there was in the past many, uh, you know, complete butcheries of, uh, s- systems, but they, they did have a sort of a very eco, at least around here, they had a very ecological. Uh, they weren't so where, cutting out no? the trees. Yeah, they knew that those. Yeah. You, know, you can't you can't take all the fish from that river, or that you'll never get them back. Right? They 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 were at least interested in the ecological of their local systems, e- ecology of their local systems, yeah. and because there wasn't a huge push of people in there when the Europeans do come and they start colonizing it the way they want to colonize it um, because they don't have a huge population with endless industry. They can't hold out against it, right? It's just, they're screwed. So by not uh, competing in the way that some places can compete, you actually can get crushed. Now, I guess because the world's supposed to be changed like this all over the world, they're doing stuff like this. I guess that would solve it. But I think if it, if it ha- pops up anywhere, it could be, you know, like Japan's now invading China because China doesn't, isn't doing it, you know. It, it, so that, that'd be the argument I'd, I'd say that can work against this if, if you want to say this utopia is unstable.
1: Well, you know, I kind of feel like the author was showing the way out of that though. And that was that to make sure that everyone in the community is invested and paying attention. Because yeah. Yeah. Kevin, you kind of get the sense that before the novel starts, he's just kind of a grunt guy, right? He he mm-hmm. works, he plays softball, he has crushes on women, but doesn't pursue them because they're not Ramona. <laughs> but yeah. then he gets elected to the city council and, and then it's his job. And then he's the catalyst for everything that happens after that. And so he's just a normal guy, just paying a little bit of attention and you know, developing relationships with people he never had to work with before. And that leads to the town's benefit. I mean, it's like a small solution, but I think that's kind of his point. Everything Mm -hmm. is small and um, you can't just rely on this one group of people to do everything right all the time. It's up to you kind of. I mean, it's, you know, kind of a feel feel good message, but I think that is the message the
3: Athelian polis sort of approach mm. to uh, communities. Like I mean I mean I mean I mean granted that the Athelian polis is only uh, only uh, adult males, but but <laughs> as, a, as, a side, as a side the actual historical the idea that yes the, everybody in the community has to engage in order to make a community work and that's the only way you can get this to work because if you just secede your attention and responsibility, things go bad.
0: Right. And but it's not
3: even perfect. I, I it's, it's things are so understated. I mean who
0: who lit, who started that fire i want to know okay so that's the thing is like because uh, alfredo's there working hard seemingly not being uh not being like ha ha ha, ha my work you. <laughs> you know <laughs> because because he doesn't have the evil mustachio thing like i'm thinking you know what he's not his, he he didn't do it i, I, I think it's his backers i think that's right and or, I mean, the other thing is, is if, if we were like to ask Kim Stanley Robinson, you know, okay, who was it? And he so, he said to us, you know, um, actually it was just some stupid kids, uh, or campers. And we'd say, that's bullshit. This is fiction. Everything has to fit together. I'd say, you know what? You've earned that one. I'll take it because this is more like the real world than it is like a fiction novel of yeah. the Heinlein style where, you know, yeah it's a loose plot thread that doesn't matter because you're not supposed to look there, right? Mm. I think if it was, you know, random stupid people, that would be totally acceptable. Yeah. And if it was the evil corporation, I'd say, yeah, that's possible.
3: Damn. I should I should have asked him that when we have on the podcast. Instead of asked about a sharp shark shock instead because that's the novel nobody reads. I should have asked him about the fire.
0: Damn.
3: it's my <laughs> opportunity the next time i ever
0: run into stand off the talk. there was kerosene, to... right? There was kerosene there. Right. So. Right, but like, In, who did it? And what, who yeah, did it? I should have. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, all that stuff at the end, where or near the end, where he's uh, there at the funeral, and, you know, he's using that as a way to prevent the development. He says, yeah, this isn't going to stop us. And it, I say, you're totally wrong about that. And also, um, how dare you do this? Because uh, it's, uh, you know, you're using your father's death, and he belongs to everybody, not just to you. And it's like... He's laughing at that because, yeah, you know, no, he would be really happy that he's his death is actually preventing the development of this little rattlesnake hill. Yeah. I I mean, I I think that the the fact that it is, you know, such a small little development, you know, (laughs) boring little plot about. You know, n- nobody dying, in, you know, in a violent death that's caused by another evil person, it's just a natural death. It's it's so that's what's so amazing about this book is that he can compel us and make us like spending time reading this book when there's so little things, you know, so little going on in the conflict sort of way that we normally expect and. You know, intrigued to see what I like. This isn't one of those books where you say, I have to know what happens next. Yeah. It's just, you know, let's just spend some time here and see what's. So when Tam says, you know, is it, is it get less boring? And I said, nope. <laughs> it's just exactly the same. It depends on what
3: you want to read this for. I mean, this is, this is basically a a year in the life of a guy in Utopia. I mean, that inherently doesn't sound very. Oh, and one hat who learns painfully. To grow up a little. I mean, I mean, at the, at the start, he's, he gets into this relationship with Ramona. And he's completely ignored Doris. And at the end, Ramona's gone back to Alfredo and gotten married. Doris is off with, I think, Oscar. He's got mm-hmm. nobody. But, and he, he thinks he's the unhappiest person in the world. And then he laughs. It's like, yeah. Yeah, you're unhappy, dude, but you're still in, you're still in Utopia and you're still oh, trying to make a difference. You. Yeah, poor, yeah. poor you. I'm, my, my, my little violin is. Squeaking for you, Kevin.
0: Really? Yeah, he's got a whole bunch of friends.
3: He's got a whole bunch right? of friends. He's on the city council. He's he saved the hill and on like his granddad.
0: It's like that childhood crush that he said you know everybody else had and he never got. Um, that that you know he never fell in love uh, when he was a kid, and so his first pup. It's like his first puppy love's over, and it's like, but he's an adult, so it's not as big a deal. <laughs> yeah,
3: and now he can go for, He can go forward and try to keep keep this utopia going because it is a matter of work. I had to go back and tear up the highways and work off.
0: I, I found this book to be profoundly, like, rereading it. I hadn't read it since early 90s. Uh, I, I was like, yeah, a lot of my life philosophy explaining, like, how to deal with reality comes from, you know, sort of res- things that resonated in here. I'm looking at the memorable quotes section of the KimStanleyRobinson.info wiki,
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it says, I, I try to live by the old Greek rule, you know, moderation in all things. If you say moderation in all things, then among all the things, you've got to include moderation itself.
3: Oh, yeah, that's and, Hank, yeah.
0: Yeah, that joke, uh, I think, is true, right? You shouldn't, you know, drink to excess, uh, but it's okay to drink to excess every once in a while. <laughs> right? If you, it, it, I used to think, you know, all smoking was bad. But I found out that, you know, for some people, smoking is uh, a great pleasure. And, you know, although I found it, it to be stinky and I don't want people doing it near me. And I think, you know, it might be dangerous to start if you're just casually interested in it. I'm, I'm not against all people smoking. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's sort of that sort of uh it sort of tweak on on the classic sort of. Wisdom. I found a lot of that. So it's not that he. maybe I was saying, you know, he's so intelligent. It's more like he's so wise. Kim Stanley Robinson's an incredibly wise person, perhaps. I found it to be a very wise book.
1: Yeah. And there's been a lot of um, relationship stigmas that we currently have that have just been done away with. You want to have sex with this person today? Fine. You don't tomorrow? No big deal. No one's getting married. Although, Alfredo,
3: Alfredo, any- Alfredo gets married to Ramona, but they've been together so long and they hadn't got kind of anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, it it, it, took, it took Ramona leaving Alfredo for a while for them to actually get that back together. But it is, it is a very <laughs> casual ca- casual relation. Casual not in the se- casual se- casual, but not disposable. If that's what if that uh, yeah sense. Hmm. I mean, I can see, I can see how, oh, there's no traditional values, there's no marriage, and yeah, but people are a lot less hung up about that. Well, but, I mean,
0: but what's so cool about this is it, it doesn't have any ideology, right? There's, an, so we talk about it's, you know, it's a socialist book, it's a communist book, uh, yeah, I guess, but not really, because what they're doing is just, you know, you take out the thing that you like from whatever it is. It's not that socialism is better than every other system. It's just, it's got a lot of really good things. If you like certain styles of things, like for example, if you, if you don't like it, when you see lots of homeless people on the street, because uh, there's a whole bunch of capitalists who have been skimming off of it and making big evil corporations. If you don't like that, then socialism's better. And if you do like that, well then, you know, keep whatever you got. But I didn't find there to be an ideology in here, even though it, you know, you can, you know, claim that it has this or it has that. There's whatever system they seem to be having. You know, the the greens are supposed to be greener. I I think that one of the things he's arguing for is that having that pendulum swinging back and forth is a process that maybe it's not good or bad. It's just inevitable. So to not include that in the, your definition of a utopia would be a mistake because it'd be like freezing it in time. You know, there's that great Arthur C. Clarke book uh what it's called um I think it's The Fall of Night. No, no, I was supposed I to. I guess called, The but, Fall of Night. Uh it's no, that's Benford. No, it's it's a uh, there's a couple names for it now and I can't remember either one. Uh, City at the Edge of... No. It's it's set in the deep, deep future. Childhood's End? No. In the deep, deep future where people don't uh, have... aren't born anymore, they're generated by uh, random uh, computers um, and then given bodies. What the hell's the name of this oh, book?
3: No. I think That's I've, such I've, a good I've certainly read this. Damn.
0: Yeah, it's a really good book. There's a couple names for it, and I'm forgetting that. In any case, they've got a a utopia kind of. Um, and they include the fact that they might change things by having a, sort of a random elements inserted into it by, uh, you know, everybody's immortal. When you die, your, your, I don't know, your brain patterns get stored. And then later on you might get recycled or you might be paired up with another brain pattern and mm. be re- redone yeah. up again. It's an incredibly powerful book. Can't remember the name of the title, but I will look it up as soon as the but podcast. But that kind so of reminds <laughs> me of the. Uh... It's frozen in time, is the idea. But even there, like their their community is without want, and you know th- their main focus is art. But because it's sort of a crystallized thing, they e- even there they recognize, yeah, you know what, it's okay to have a little bit of change because we might find a new art system that way. Yes,
3: yeah, st- st- yeah, stasis. I mean, I mean, compare 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 this to the two major dystopias of the 20th century, 1984 and Brave New World, and mm-hmm. and, and those are those explicitly make make the point that things are going to go on forever. 1984 go, has as the image of the of the boot stamping on the human face forever, and and in Brave New World, which we've done on the podcast, listeners should listen to that. The, it, it's it's clear that uh, Mustafa Khan and and the, and the world governments can handle dissent because they'll just ship them off to islands and things will just keep on going. They'll just keep pe- decanting people out of, uh, out of factories and things will just keep going on ad nauseum.
0: Yeah, um, I, I found it. It's uh, Against the Fall of Night is the first oh, name I was, for it.
3: I was right, okay.
0: And uh, the second name for it is The City in the Stars. Which is,
3: oh, okay, okay. It
0: is, it's an incredibly powerful. And I had, I had read that incredibly powerful book, I find. But, uh, one of the things you said a minute ago made me think of the word that comes up in this book that I think he's using as another one of those, you know, motifs that, uh, talks, uh, explains why this society is good or why it's stronger or whatever. Um, it's interpenetration. Do you remember that?
3: Interpenetration.
0: Jenny, do you remember the word interpenetration Mm -hmm. coming up? Um, It comes up a couple of, at least three or four different places. It comes up near the end as well. But uh, one of the things is they're making metal that's also made of uh, ceramic. Uh And so the metal and the ceramic work together to make uh, material that's harder and more durable than, you know, either metal or ceramic. Um, I think they also, he, uh, Oscar goes for a walk in the hills and does he get lost or something?
1: After the Mars thing, he gets lost.
0: Yeah, Yeah. he's sort of having a spiritual crisis or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And he, uh, he, I think he uses the word to describe uh, how this, the outside, maybe it's Kevin, outside the nature, after he's upset about Ramon or something, goes for a walk or whatever, um the 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 reality outside of his own body is is going into his own body, not just by you know breathing the air, but like this the yeah. the, the obvious that we are a part of our our environment, and he feels it like in a spiritual way.
3: Yeah, it's it, yeah, I, I marked down as like a very. Godlike experience.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's like one of those, you know, transformative ones you come out of the desert or whatever and start a religion. And it's kind Um, of the (laughs) only
1: religion in the book, really. The only religious moment in the book.
0: Yeah, uh, you know. Which is refreshing. Yeah. It's it's good. The, 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 there was also, I think, sort of a joke one is that all the sex that's happening (laughs) between the different people, um, you know, at that, that mask party. Mm hmm. Um, the, you know the the old guys getting to old girl getting together with the old guy and then they're, uh, they're they had some joke about that I think as well so I, I wanted to have the ebook out so I could do a search let's um, just see how many times the word interpenetration comes up it's, it's like you know as a motif word it's so it's that's the level he's pitching at it's not like a, a little you know a little one. The idea is that every part of their community interacts somehow with every other part of the community, and that's what makes their community so strong and so um, good, as opposed to, you know, I've got my space, I'm putting up a fence. You no, know, they live inside each other's homes, right? Yeah. He, you know, this guy is spending, you know, Ramona is spending time with uh, one guy, and uh, he doesn't like that but he comes to accept it right they they all sort of have to face the fact that even when you know you're fighting a horrible battle against your enemy over a hill uh he's right there on the hill uh beside you fighting the fire that will potentially kill them all yep
3: i and i, I... I, I... Sorry. I thought that was a great scene to see to see the two of them working together. And and that, that just reinforces that yeah, that Alfredo's not a black cat. I mean, he's in a bind and he's doing things because he wants his company to grow and he's got people manipulating him, but he's not evil.
1: Right.
0: No. He's he's And technically
1: uh, he's using the system that's available to him.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen to the way he talks on the council. It's so reasonable
2: mm-hmm. when he
0: when he makes his explanations. He's like, "Well, yeah, I've got an evil motive, you know," or he doesn't say you know, evil. Like, I've got a I've got my own motives, but so do you. And when you think about it, you know, Kevin's just he is obsessed with this hill. I mean, it's sick. <laughs> like, it's like a symbol. I've crawled, I've crawled all over every surface of it. It, like, it, it. It's a it's
3: a symbol to him. It's almost it's almost like a symbol a symbol of his grandfather in some ways. It's yeah. always been there. It's always been part of him. It's, it, it's also, yeah, it just ties him to this land and, yeah, he doesn't want to see a change. And, and they the, the metaphor of whole changing of utopia and the impermanence of utopia. So, yeah, the the, the, the fact that the hill could, could have gotten that center on it, if not for the plaque, is an indication that, yeah, the utopia, this, the utopia is not going to remain across the line thing in going on to the future utopia is as you said a process a change a struggle a a continually reiterating thing and things are not always going to mean what they are they they can't it's just not human nature
1: well i just wanted to say that if you visit any former utopian societies um, i've been to a couple i mean they never yeah. last <laughs>
0: No, and they so, usually die with the generation that starts them.
1: Yeah, and it's funny, like one of them was New Harmony, Indiana. I've also been to the Amana colonies in Iowa but Oh yeah, I've been to the And the Shaker Shaker community, the Shaker village in Kentucky. I I love going to those kinds of places. But in New Harmony, Indiana, they had several different utopian attempts in a row. I don't know what it is about that particular place. Um they didn't last very long. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the demonic well, colonies are now a tourist attraction, basically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think the argument is that we're we're actually living in a utopia. It's just we're not fighting hard enough to make it as utopian as we ought to.
1: Nah. Right? I Lead? may have bought that maybe ten years ago, but I don't buy it now.
0: Yeah, I, I have to disagree with you. Just maybe Probably in Vancouver, the, but not times, here. How many times have you guys run on on run for city council? Not zero. <laughs> Yeah, and...
3: Oh, I've written written
0: myself in, but that doesn't count. Not quite. Not unless you're campaigning. I mean, campaigning is not fun, right? Ugh, yeah. It's horrible. And the people we get to run things, they end up being so horrible because we... I just don't want to do it. It's not... I mean, it's horrible, right? Trying to convince people to... You know, saying the same th- saying the same thing, going door to door. It's a horrible job, and the reason we get such shitty government is because not enough people are doing it. The people who are doing it are the insane ones. Well, the
1: ones the well maybe it's time.
0: Tomorrow. I think I, I I think that that's what he's saying, right? I mean, it yeah, feels it what he's saying. It feels to, it's, it's a bitter pill, <laughs> Jenny. It's time for you to run for city council. <laughs> 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 I know. Ugh. I'm just gonna say I wouldn't. I I wouldn't want to do this. It's horrible, <laughs> but it's a bitter pill you got to take it. I I, I think that it, it feels like he's he's saying this to himself. Like it feels like this is a real thing that happened, right? Uh, I was looking at his bio. Uh, he's lived in Orange County. He's lived in uh, Switzerland, right? Which we, we got a thing there. <laughs> yep. Um, he he's involved in you know sort of. Political stuff, at least on a low level. Um, and my mom's really involved in, in local, you know, very local politics. She also does federal and provincial, but local's more, you know, it's, it's on all the time, right? Whereas uh, provincial's only every four years, and, uh, because we're, there's a number of cities nearby, she's involved in all of the local cities. And, it, the thing is, it's it's horrible, boring work. She's got to go to tons of meetings,
2: mm-hmm. trying to
0: convince lots of people to push in different directions. She, but the thing is, is what, so she's. Uh, we were talking about this on the way back from uh, a, a trip to, uh, we tried to go to a movie theater. And the movie theater uh, was far away uh, because of, you know, only the movie that was playing was only at that theater. So we tried to go, and when we got there, the escalator was, was, uh, not accessible. She's, you know, disabled. And she couldn't access it because it was at the wrong angle, right? So it was not, it, it was designed for regular people who are, just don't want to take the stairs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? So the, you know, if you've got, you know, a fused ankle or if you use a walker or whatever, you can't, you can't go up it. You'd fall <laughs> over. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we, we brace her and help her up to the top of that. When we get, uh, get to the section where we have to go up to the elevator, the elevator's out of order. So, so, like, we drove all this way to go to see a movie that was only playing there. And she was like, I'm going to make this, you know, I'm going to get angry about this and go to city councils and try and get, the thing is, is on a city council, it's much easier, the inertia is much smaller than it is, at, you know, to turn, to turn the, the direction of a of a city is much easier than to try to turn the direction of a country. All the excuses people make about Obama, you know, not doing enough stuff. Well, maybe it's it's federal. I mean, he is the captain of the ship. He should be able to turn it. I think, uh, especially when you know he has the bully pulpit, etc., etc. But, but on a maybe- city council, a person who goes up and just complains to the city council can turn the ship far easier. And they're not even elected, just going there and talking to the city council. You can make your argument. And as long as it, you know, not going to hurt their agenda, they'll change it.
1: Right. I have a really good example, actually. I don't know if you've heard any of the press um, from the state of Indiana, the legislation where if you don't agree with someone's religious beliefs, you don't have to serve them. Okay. So I have, um, well, I used to work in a little tiny town in Indiana, Greencastle, Indiana, and basically the only industries there are DePaul University and Walmart. And oh, a librarian from that town posted the other day that they were posing um, something for the city council to pass that basically says that if you're doing business in any way with the city, that um, you're not allowed to discriminate on the basis of, you know, the usual list, <laughs> And I just mm-hmm. thought, you know, that's a great example of this. They can't yep. fix the state very easily. Um, The federal government clearly can't fix the state because they don't have the power to do that. Set well, up that party, way intentionally. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So um but the little tiny town of Greencastle can change themselves. And I was mm-hmm. just I thought, you know, that's that's a wonderful thing. And I. I hope that sets a precedent for maybe some of the other tiny towns and then maybe if enough tiny towns do it maybe the larger ones will and then the state changes back.
0: It, yeah, this book is a call for the empathy and sort of the the yeah, you should get onto city council not because you're super skilled at, you know, making people want to vote for you, but because you know, you know what's good for the, your community.
3: Right. There was a book in the early 80s, a nonfiction book, written by Frederick Pohl and Isaac Asimov called Our Angry Earth. Have either of you read it? I've heard of it. I've not read mm-hmm. it, no. Yeah, I read it years and years ago. It was basically talking about environmental degradation, climate change, yeah, long before it was a thing, and talking about, oh, what can we do? Is And basically the point is, if you want to do something, you have to get politically active. It was a very mm-hmm. bitter way of ending the book, but they basically lay out... The problem, the the ecological problems facing Earth, at least as we knew them in the '80s, and basically saying, yeah, if we want to do this, you you have to get it organized. You can't just forget well, about
0: the, it. The enemy, the enemy, your enemy in this situation is getting paid to be there, right? That's their mm-hmm. day job. Yeah. If you don't take your free time and you know stop playing a little baseball every once in a while, or play baseball just not as much, and you know. Try and help out with your community, you do get sort of screwed, and maybe maybe a lot of the problem is because we feel like we're so mobile, you know, like we can move to the other side of the continent or we can move to another country, and you know our job's going to change that we don't need to get involved with the city council uh, because if I don't like it, uh, it doesn't matter. In five years, I'll be moving on to another part of my career. That that always there's always seemed to be something wrong to me about that you know, I used to live in this city, now I'm gonna go move to that city. Love the place you're at. I mean, even if you know, you do end up having to move for whatever reason, you 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 sort of have to love the place you're at. It's not just a place to you shouldn't live your life like you have to endure, you know, a certain amount of shit to get to where you're going because you're go there is no yeah, utopia is not a destination, right? It's a it's an activity. Yeah.
1: I read this book earlier this year um, called The World Until Yesterday, What Can We Learn from Traditional Societies? I read that book. Yeah, it's by Jared Diamond. And I remember one of the chapters is talking about um, how traditional societies treat older people compared to how we do. Mm -hmm. And there's this term that he used. I was going to see if I've put it in my review, but I didn't. Um, But it's something about, you know, staying where you were born. Within that community and how traditional societies, of course, most of the time you do. And that has all these benefits, including the care of elderly people um, and how our culture is very much not like that. And I yeah, it does have an impact on government, too. Like I've lived where I live now for eight years, but that means I don't have a history here. So how would I even get elected? Mm. You know, I mean, it, it kind of goes both ways.
0: Well, Ted Cruz was born in Canada. And he wants to be uh, head of your government.
1: I don't know how he thinks he's going to do that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's got a legal loophole, maybe.
1: Well, I think that's why I'm such a fan of subversive groups, like everyone who um, names himself anonymous. I follow a bunch mm-hmm. of different Twitter feeds.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because they've given up on going the bureaucratic route, right? They They that look just- at communicating and changing things on a very different level with very different strategies. Uh, I don't know. I kind of, I'm always fascinated by that.
0: <laughs> did you guys see the, uh, the last, I I don't know if we're still on the show anymore, but I don't care. Did you, did you guys see the last um, episode of last week tonight? You know, that HBO show for, uh, with John Oliver. Is, oh, John Oliver. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he has an interview with Edward Snowden and oh he hits him really hard in a couple of places. Um, you can probably find it on Twitter, or, um, YouTube, the little segments. He he hits him real hard. He's 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 not doesn't knock back. You know he doesn't take anything lightly. And and then he he I think he does the most clever thing. So why is it you know they show you know a bunch of people in New York City street walking around and they ask him you know who's Edward Snowden and they're like yeah, I've heard the name. Doesn't he run WikiLeaks sort of thing, right? They they just don't know what's you know what's going on, how important this story is, blah blah blah. And then John Oliver points out that the the real problem is nobody nobody cares because it doesn't hit home for them. So uh he says he says what about uh if the government was taking the pictures of your penis that you're texting to everybody, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, if, if the government was collecting that, would you be upset? And they'd be,
1: yeah, I'd be upset.
0: He talked to all the same people, right? They'd all be upset. And then he, he says to Snowden, he says, you know, uh, this is, this is, you know, all that stuff about, you know, liberties being taken away and, how, you know, it's very high minded, you know, people read Brave New World and understood it and people read 1984 and understood it. Um, those people that we're all sold, it's the regular folks who don't read those books and who don't think about these matters a lot. They need the dick pic sort of situation. So he says to Snowden, do you, uh, does this program, And he goes through the list of all the NSA programs, does this program have your dick pic? Right, and he's, he's like, "Yep, this one does." And he goes through them all. They all have it, right? Even the ones where, you're, you know, if you're talking about your penis on on you on the phone to your wife when you're in another country, if it goes through this routing system, yep, the government has a description of your penis as you've described it. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, yeah, this is actually this, that is the strategy, right? You need a comedian who understands. What you know, the basic stupid motivations most people have, you know, the sort of base, you know, how does it affect me? It does not a real world situation. You know, we're not living in a dystopia. Blah blah blah. Right. Well, if if the government has pictures of your penis, you should be upset about that, and a lot of people are. <laughs> so it's like they they pitched it too high, right? They, it's a very high minded, you know, liberty and. Uh, You don't want to start with this because it will lead to bad things, slippery slope, right? But no, just go with the dick pic.
2: This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.